Hello world, this is The Society, your one-stop shop for arts, politics, and business. I'm one of your hosts, Dylan Freeman Grist, joined by... And I'm, uh, and I'm JC Vaughn. What's the date today? The 28th of April. It's the 28th of April. This is episode 5, I think. Episode 5 or 6? Yeah, it's 5. No, it's 5. We're on 5? It's 5. It's 5. Cool, we made it to episode 5. It's almost a week's worth now. Yeah. How's it feel? I mean, we're we're doing well here. It's yeah, yeah it's going pretty it's going pretty good. You know? our, our listeners have steadily dropped since the first episode. No, no. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I we, we spent a lot of time talking about politics so far. In fact I think it's the only thing we talked about. So now I think we're gonna maybe I think today we wanted to chat about sort of a business trend. We're yeah. seeing in arts and yeah. culture, um, specifically, uh, well, the, the kind of newsy piece to our discussion today was that uh, you know I think a week ago, uh, Nintendo uh, decided to stop making the NES uh, Classic. It was what was that? It was called the NES Classic. It was like you could go yeah, basically yeah, you could yeah, go yeah, yeah. to the store. You could pick up like an, it, it wasn't actually an NES, but it was like this like model nes and have like a bunch mm. of games preloaded into it it was mm. basically like an emulator built into a system but like given the official nintendo seal of approval now i think when nintendo made this machine they didn't realize how it, it almost seems like they didn't realize how popular it would be because like no no basically it just flew off the shelf like no one could get it it became this like thing that's like well how the hell did you get which is like to be honest it's like a lot of nintendo stuff when it first comes out that's fair and then I think the problem was that like they had this basically this console that everyone wanted, and then they were like they were just gonna put it out there, and then they did the Nintendo Switch, and like I think like they just shut like they just didn't have factory space <laughs> to keep making the NES because they had to do the Switch, couldn't keep up with demand. And now the Switch is out there. The Switch was hard to get when it first came out. Uh, I think it's still pretty hard to get. Yeah, it's still pretty hard. It's to get. still pretty hard to get. So, but but I think it all ties back into this idea that like they basically just bankrolled off of nostalgia. Yeah. Right? Like, that's why the NES flew off the shelves. Like, people who had played the NES when it was, like, an actual console, when it was that generation, they wanted to cash in. Like, the NES has an incredible catalog of games that have obviously shaped the way video games are today. Like, there's some classic, classic titles on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, Nintendo couldn't keep up with demand. They made a lot of money. I guess they must have made a lot of money because I think they sold like every yeah. single one they made. Um, but yeah, they, they, they just kind of capped it. And then, then the announcement recently was that uh, they're going to be developing the sort of second version, which is the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, mm-hmm. SNES, SNES, some people call it SNES, which I think is just ridiculous, but that's their sort of next thing that they're going to do. They're going to put it out. It's going to obviously, they haven't announced the catalog that's going to be available on mm-hmm. it, but you can assume there's going to be some of those classic like Zelda titles, like Earthbound, like those like SNES games that you know made the SNES what it is, right? Right, right, right. Um, so, what do you think of this? Like, what do you think of like obviously this this is just a good business strategy for Nintendo. They keep making money off of games without having to make any new games, right? Because they just go back into the catalog. Like, what do you think of this? I guess in like the wider perspective of the gaming industry. I mean. Well, I'm not going to make it a gaming topic day here, but I think my personal opinion is Nintendo's stupid. You think they're stupid? I hate Nintendo, honestly. (laughs) 
to be honest with you, I hate Nintendo. Yeah? The reason why I hate Nintendo... Nintendo used to be really, really good. Nintendo, like... I think this maybe what it touches upon here. Nintendo used to be, like, a really great company back in the day. But now they have this mentality that, like, they create the stupidest fucking systems in the planet. Like, the Switch is great. Like, the Switch, in concept, is really, really great. Yeah. But in re- reality, it doesn't make any sense. There's no games for the fucking thing. Well, I mean, it just came out. Okay, though. but still. Yeah. If you look at other consoles, you look at other mega giants, Sony, Microsoft, that make these massive consoles, they have their their release titles are like endless, right? Well, and it's not yeah. in that. It's like it's gonna be in the. Co- the problem with Nintendo is like they've lived in this bubble of like we can only do our games. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to buy rights to other games. They don't want to port other games over. They want to create Nintendo games, which is fine, but the problem is, is how many times, like, this is where I hate it, like, how many times do I want to play some version of Mario? Like, literally, <laughs> like, how many times before I just, okay, best Mario game in the last little while was Mario Maker, okay, right? The one that you can, like, make levels and shit. Other than that, I can't remember the last good Mario game. Like, probably it was, like, 8-bit. Well, I mean, did you, like... Like, I hate Mario Kart. That's Did you like stupid. Mario 64? Okay, but that maybe, maybe, okay, yeah. that's maybe the last one. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they create these reiterations, like, okay, why can't, why can't Nintendo buy, like, rights to Forza or something and put Forza on the Nintendo? Imagine how sick it would be to play, like, the Nintendo Wii U with, like, Forza. Like, you have the gamepad and shit. You can actually, like, control it. Mm-hmm. But no, they want to create Mario Kart. <laughs> that's the only thing I hate about it I won't rant too much about them I do think like they're smart business wise because they cash in on this this bankroll of like everybody's gonna love the NES yeah well I think if we take your like sort of like I disagree like I, I like Nintendo a lot I think but if we kind of take up where you left off like it, it sounds like it, it, approaching it from like your lens maybe right it could sounds like you know, Nintendo is so tied to their IPs, right? Which, right, like, right. Like, if you think about, like, if, if you name, like, what are, like, the most high-performing, like, IPs that a gaming company has of all time, like, you're going to think of the Nintendo ones first. Like, you're going to think of the ones you mentioned, like, Nintendo. Ooh, or, sorry, like, Mario. You're going to think of Zelda. You're going to mm-hmm. think of, like, like, that whole universe that Nintendo basically created. You don't like that they don't like go outside of that bubble. I think they've been like obviously like they're still around. They're they've you know they survived Xbox. They survived PlayStation. Um, I think they use their IPs really well, and I think I see why you want them to branch out. But maybe like you know maybe in tying it all back to like this nostalgia factor, maybe you feel that because they're so reliant on their IPs, that's why they're cashing in on this nostalgia. Like is that true? I remember the thing is like I remember seeing an article when the. Nintendo Wii U first shipped. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was like on game, like on game articles and like reviewers and stuff. Like yeah. it was rated one of the worst systems in the last like <laughs> I decade. I think the Wii and the Wii U are a bit of. Uh, <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's like the general consensus is that the Wii and the Wii U were like a bit of a dark spot, um, and people are saying that the Switch is like they're coming back right, with it. Right? Yeah. Um, but, but okay, but think about that. Okay, think about. This is what pisses me off about, like, the Nintendo Switch, for example, okay? So the Wii U was supposed to be, like, like the Nintendo Switch in a way. Like, mm-hmm. you could play on the TV and you could play on the gamepad. Then they changed it, like, to make it so that you could take the gamepad out and, like, actually play it handheld and, like, not have to have it, like, port to each other. Nintendo has a system 
that is portable. Yeah. They've had a DS for like since 2006 or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Why the hell are they creating more portable games? <laughs> like, why that's, do they that's... need to create more portable devices? And that's the uh, I think that's been that's been like a you know a topic of discussion on like more games focused media too is like, what's the future of the DS? Like, are they gonna? I think some I think there's like two schools of thoughts that are emerging. It's like, are they gonna just get rid of it? And like have it all in one system, which to be honest, I think sounds like a good idea. I think some people would disagree with me. Um, or are they going to keep because they still have like uh, titles that they're like that haven't been released yet for the DS exclusively? Yeah, like I, I've been a no. DS three sixty yeah. or three DS XL or whatever the hell it's called. And but, it's like it's fine. It's just like out of all portable. That's the thing though. The, the, the DS is like out of all portable devices. That's really good. That's yeah. where Nintendo shines. That's where Nintendo shines. Like. They shine on creating portable things. Like, that's, I think, where they, they got... The... I think the portable, like, content they were putting out definitely, like, got them through the Wii era. Like, if yeah. they had just had the oh, Wii, I they think it would have been a lot worse for them. Yeah. Like, but obviously they still had, like, Nintendo, their Pokemon titles coming out. And it, but it goes back to your sort of riff with them, is, like, a lot of that success was all based on, like, their IPs. It was all yeah. based on, like, you know, Pokemon. It was all based on, like, Mario, yeah, right? Yeah, I know, I know. But, I mean, you can't... Like, you can't, like, as much as you can, like, as a video game fan, be like, oh, this pisses me off about Nintendo. You, you, I mean, they survived, right? Right, but then, okay, so let's bring it back to the NES thing, the, yeah. the emulator NES. So the problem with that that I saw was that, like, the number one complaint was that the cord was too small. I heard that too, yeah. So the controller was, one. like, wait, I was yeah. don't either, because I wasn't paying thousands of dollars to get one. But, you know, like, they couldn't, att- they couldn't get the cord across, like, the, like, to a couch or anything like that. And then that comes back to the fact it's like, okay, Nintendo, you've created the Wii U, <laughs> you've created the Wii, you've created the Nintendo DS, now you have the Switch. You have all this technology to create portable things, yet you create the smallest controller. The original <laughs> the original NES had a longer cord than the one that was on the emulator. Yeah. And it's like, are you kidding? Like, Nintendo, this is the thing with my, my great book, Nintendo, it's like, I want to see them succeed, but they just shoot themselves. Like, they shoot themselves in the foot every single time mm-hmm. with just creating, like, they create really, really great things, and then they just somehow find a way to make it shitty. <laughs> like, so there's one thing about it that makes it, like, so unplayable, it's unreal. Yeah. And that was the problem. Like, I remember I remember seeing, like, people on YouTube and stuff like that, they'd go and buy, like, adapters to make the controller wireless and stuff. And, like, I don't know if Nintendo was selling them or it was a third party that, like, you could buy wireless controllers for it. And it was, like... They put all this thought into cashing in on this nostalgic thing, but they couldn't make it as nostalgic because people couldn't play it because they mm-hmm. had to sit in front of the freaking TV like that. Okay, but you you sort of you kind of you like. I mean, it sounds like deep in there. Like, do you like the idea? Okay, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So you're more of a, like an Xbox PS fan. Uh, yeah, I like I'll, I'll for consoles I'll side way more sides with with Sony or Microsoft than I would. So Nintendo. in the future, let's say, like, do you think there's room, and do you think it would be healthy, or do you even think it would work if like Xbox maybe wanted to do something similar to like, like to, to the to the like, like if they created like an Xbox 360 like yeah like let's well actually let's let's come up with like (laughs) let's come up with like like, they've done a little bit of this like by remastering their old IPs like Mm -hmm. Halo like I think they had the Halo remastered edition etc but like okay imagine like five years maybe they put out like an like do you think there's room I see where you're talking like an Xbox emulator which has like all those classic Xbox are you talking about just consoles or talking about the games we're talking about the well I mean I guess the game right and that's the thing because like 
So I think you're. I I kind of see your your issue with Nintendo like creating these like fucking emulator boxes, which is really what they are, right? It's mm-hmm. just an emulator. Why don't they just create the game again? Why don't they just put that game on the Switch? And I think I don't know why they decided to create this like. This is 99 games full of nostalgia. I Why think, don't you just create that game for the Switch? I think it boils down to there's an extra level of nostalgia they're trying to get to, right? Like, there's... the You can... like, And I've heard this sort of a lot with people who are, like, huge raving fans of, like, the NES Classic mm-hmm. and are, are really excited for the SNES mm-hmm. Classic is that, yeah, they can go and they can, like, download an emulator on, like, their computer and they can, like play it on the computer like they, right. it's yeah, not like these yeah. games are inaccessible no, the games are there, yeah. it's that they want to play it with like the original remote and like they don't want to play I restored versions of the game i understand that, they want to yeah. play like original versions of the game like i had an nes yeah growing up like i played nes a lot and like for me i don't like okay like let's say let's let's take even more nostalgia i think more into our in our generation as well like let's say they decided to create a 64 again yeah okay who cares? Like, honestly, like, I think the one thing is, like, the games are one thing. I Like, I do have a little bit of a gripe of, of companies, and we'll talk, this is what it's kind of about, but I do have a little bit of a problem with companies copping out. I'm going to use that, like, as the thing. They're copping out because they're like, oh, we'll just create the same freaking game again. Mm-hmm. Like, th- regardless of who it is, like, I'll, and I'll, I'll say more companies later on, but just to finish up Nintendo, it's like, if they decided to create a 64, I wouldn't go out and be like, oh, I need to go buy that, like, because I played the 64, like, like the religiously. Or, like, if Sony was like, oh, we need it, we're, we're, we're remastering the PS1. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't go out and fucking buy it. Like, who cares? Because my mentality, and, like, maybe this is, like, me being ignorant and me being like, this is the 21st century. I have a PS4. Mm-hmm. I, like, I have a Nintendo DS. I have two Nintendo DSs. I have the original one and the newer one. Yeah. Right? Like, as much as I love to think back of nostalgia and as much as I love to, like, replay that experience, there's also a point in time where I'm, like, I need to, like, move on from it. Yeah. You know? That kind of gets into, like, two things I wanted to ask you about. So, we've got... I'm kind of... I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence, right? Like, I don't think I will want to go out and buy the SNES, right? Um, I've heard people like the SNES Classic when they release it. Right. I've heard people just like freaking out freaking about out, it, yeah. and they're like, "Oh my god, I like I need to get this." And like I kind of understand it because the people who are doing that they played it when they were like younger, mm-hmm. right? So then that brings us like maybe a more relevant idea thing is like, let's say they put out like an N sixty four Classic, and you're saying you wouldn't want to pick it up, like it doesn't appeal to you. And I'm kind of on the fence about it because like. In a way, I do want to go back and like play through some of those games, um, in sort of a better way than like just kind of using emulators because emulators, for the most part, like I can't find a good one no, that I like. No, right? no, no, no. So I do want to go back and play like Ocarina of Time. I do want to go back and play like Majora's Mask. I want to go back and play like Mario sixty four. There's a lot of great titles for the N64 that me and you remember, right? I don't remember anything from the SNES or the NES. No, to be honest, uh, like I just didn't have them in my house, right? Uh, and then, like, they were well past by the time I was, like, of playing Play age, age, right? Yeah, like, they were yeah, well yeah, gone, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. just because of my age. But I did have an N64. I did run all these, like, old games. I'd love to, like, go explore them. I'm divided about whether or not I just want to sort of put in the time to find a better emulator or if it would actually buy into this sort of N64 classic thing that they're doing, right? And then, it, I mean, it boils down to, like, regardless of your my opinion on it and how we feel about it, they're making a lot of money. They're making a lot of money. Doing this. So should they keep doing it, right? 
Um, and what are the negative aspects of them doing it? You know, like, kind of brings another question of like, do you think, and this kind of brings it back to your like issue with Nintendo, do you think because they have this cash cow in old games, they might be less lenient to do newer games? Well, this is this is the thing, or, right? or go outside of their IPs, which this, is your problem. Yeah, right? this is the thing. It's like you hit it right there. It's like the problem with these these cash-ins and these like, oh, we're gonna just create the same games again, and we're just gonna put them in HD so mm-hmm. that you can play with HDMI. It's the fact that like the company themselves, yeah, great business wise. Kudos to you, Nintendo. You're making a shit ton of money. Yeah, but. You're, like I said, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're not expanding your business. Mm-hmm. You're just leaving it exactly the same. And that's the thing that I have the problem with, like, especially the NES, right? And like that's why I said, like in the console world, it's a little bit different than like some other topics I think we'll get into. The problem is, is like, okay, I go out and buy this console. Yeah. I play the 99 games that are on it. There's not going to be a new game that comes out for it. That's it. Mm-hmm. What I have is what I got. That's it. That's all, right? And for Nintendo, that might be great because they don't have to put in the research... They don't have to hire developers. They don't have to do any of that shit. But for me, as a player, it's like, after I play Mario for the 90th time, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that's the thing about, like, it kind of fizzled out. Like, you, these things were really, really hot when they first dropped. And now it's like, I don't hear really anybody talking about them. Now they're talking about this new one, that's like the SNES that's going to come out. Yeah. Right? And that, again, great for Nintendo because it's constant money. But, like, for the consumer, it's like... I don't know if anybody sits back and looks at the fact that, like, the playable value after a certain amount of times. And that could be for any that could be for any title, any console, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people people say that shit with, like, Call of Duty, like, yeah. because they release one every year. How, how much of a playable, like, playability does it have? And that's, like, in, I think, in gaming, that's the biggest thing. That's how you determine who's a good company and who's a bad company. If you have something that can be playable for your entire life, that's what you want. Yeah, Nintendo is great. You can play Mario, but they have 50 iterations of it. That's why they... It seems like you're still playing the same game, but it's completely different. But as, like, some other companies, like, will, like, look at the... I mean, the best company to say, like, playability is, like, definitely Rockstar. Because they create games that, like... People... I still know people that play Red Dead Redemption. They're creating a new one, but that game came out, like, five years ago. Yeah. And people are still playing it. It still stands up. Right? So, like... That's a perfect example of, like, I think, a model that, like, personally, that's what I think of when I'm, like, going out and buying games. I'm like, is that what it's going to come up to, mm-hmm. right? If I go out and buy that NES, it's like, okay, I'm going to play this five times and then just be like, okay, yeah. cool. And I've got this, like, memorabilia, maybe, in my house that I've got this NES sitting there, which is great, but, like, did I need to go, like, ape shit to go get it? Like, mm-hmm. not really, right? So, I mean, I see this, like, going... Like, I don't know. I, like, like I said, I'm, I'm more on the fence about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, as a business practice, it's good for the industry or bad. I see it kind of going one of two ways, right? And I think, like, you kind of have to watch Nintendo because Nintendo's sort of leading the way on this type of strategy uh, because of their IPs. Um, PlayStation has a lot of IPs that they're starting to build up, and, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, like... I would say, like, well, both PlayStation and Xbox, they have, like, their catalogs are sort of getting bigger and bigger with, like, games that are exclusively Exclusive theirs. Them, yeah. Xbox, for a while, decided to stop pursuing that business strategy. Right. And I think, like, general consensus, they need to get back into that. And I think they are starting to get back into that. Um, PlayStation has, from, like, the get-go, been, like, making sure they develop a it's lot their of... their content. There are yeah. a lot of exclusive yeah. content. So we have these gaming companies with these catalogs. 
Nintendo leading the way on like cashing in on like just going back like playbacks. Um, I see it going one of two ways. Like maybe you know maybe Nintendo uses that cash flow to invest in new projects, and then if PlayStation does the same later on with games like you know Red Dead or whatever, like maybe they'll do the same thing, right? Um, and you know that that could be the way it goes. The other way it could go is like we could maybe get into like a shitty thing where it's like. You know, well, we're gaming companies. We don't need to invest, you know, money in doing like completely new stuff because like we can just make money on our catalog. And you see a little bit of that kind of like in the film industry, right? Oh, I know. This is what we're gonna talk. Well, yeah, yeah, this will get us into like the second part of our discussion. It's like how this could go bad, right? Like good version, drop your, you know, your SNES classic, make a shitload of money, make the next (laughs) Zelda game, like make the next Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? Which is everyone like everyone's freaking out about. Bad version, like we're gonna like every ten years get a remake of Ocarina of Time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great game, classic <laughs> game. Do we want to keep yeah. repackaging want it? The same thing over and you over see and over. this in the film industry. This this has impacted the film industry really badly in some cases, where it's like every generation has a remake of something of some movie. You know, there's you can list titles like, um, but like, and a lot of those remakes aren't that great, right? No. Have you watched? Okay, this is this. It just sparked my memory because I watched this the other day. Did you have you watched the new Bill Nye thing? Yeah, I think we're gonna on talk Netflix. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. What, oh what, what are your God. thoughts on it? Okay, I think it's talking about nostalgia. I think it's really really great because people that grew up with Bill Nye, like in high school, elementary school, like when you watched Bill Nye the Science Guy, it's great. It's great in that sense. Like, oh, cool. Like. This guy, I grew up with him, and he's still doing this stuff. However, it is probably the worst written show I have ever seen in my life. Like, the scripts, first of all, I don't know who's writing it, but, like, it clearly isn't someone who, like, is trying to... I don't know if... Like, the thing is, I first I first put it on, and I thought it was satire. You thought it was satire? Yeah. Oh, no. Because, <laughs> like, the jokes... We got reviews dropping on the society right now. The... The jokes he was making was, like, making fun of this generation. Yeah. Like, he was using terms, like, I can't pinpoint it, but, like, you know, like, the terms that, like, we use, like, sick, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, you would never hear coming out of Bill Nye the Science Guy. <laughs> like, he was using those terms. They had fucking designer on the show. Yeah. Like, designer? Designer. The rapper? Yeah. Designer the rapper. And I can't remember. There's some... I can't remember the fucking name now. Hold on. There's a... There's a chick in it, too. Um... That is like this sidekick, I guess, of Bill Nye. Like I don't, I can't remember her name. I'm gonna get it here though. But she's like the side chick. The oh yeah, it's uh, Carly Kloss. You know who Carly Kloss yeah. is? Okay, she's like the sidekick. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Like she's a model. Mm-hmm. Like are you kidding me? But it's so poorly designed. <laughs> like I get it. It's fine. Like whatever. Like. I understand it. Like, the theme song was... Th- th- okay, that's the other thing. Like, the theme song was Tyler, the Creator. It was Tyler, the Creator? It, it sings the theme song. What? And I'm just like... I'm so it, That's what I'm saying, dude. I, like, honestly, I put it on, and I thought it was a farce. Like, seriously. You thought it was like... Like, I thought it was literally <laughs> supposed to be a joke. And the thing is, like, I understand where they were going with it. I yeah. understand that they were, like, they were trying to cash in on that nostalgia. Like, Bill and I has a new show, right? Mm-hmm. And they were trying to keep it still about, like science and it was very political bound i could tell that like how people are saying that global warming isn't a thing and he's trying to prove it it is i understand all that part of it 
But, like, I just couldn't believe how garbage it was. And it didn't do any justice to nostalgia. Like, other than it was Bill Nye, if this was anybody else, the show would have not even made it to, it's made it to Netflix. Like, Netflix would have X'd it initially if it was anybody but. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Like, and I, Netflix is the biggest culprit of this late, lately. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and this is where, like, I, I, I can really stand behind my decision of, like, I'm not a person that likes nostalgia. Netflix is, like, really revamping a lot of shit. Yeah. Like, they did the Save the Bell thing. Like, they did all that, right? And then, like, I heard rumors that they were going to do another Prince of Bel-Air. Like, it was ridiculous how much they're trying to cash in on yeah. this. It's great, but it's not great. Like, it's not good. Like, if you're going to do it, do it well. Don't okay. do it like this yeah. joke. Um, so, that yeah, that brings us into, like, the next sort of portion. So, like, Netflix has been very, like adamant and clear about their business strategy in terms of nostalgia um i was just reading an article i think it was originally posted on either kotaku or polygon but basically it was just like going over like how netflix was yes they were trying to you know cash in on um sort of specifically with bill nye and then like yeah. you'll, you'll notice there's like other educational shows oh yeah like kids shows right mm-hmm. that they're sort of recreating, right? I can't think of another example right off the top of my head, but like they're, oh, the Magic School Bus. Mm. They're doing the Magic School Bus, right? So they're basically, they're cashing in on like the nostalgia of like us, 90s kids, right? Yeah. Or kids that grew up in like the late 90s or I guess the whole 90s, early yeah, 2000s, yeah. right? Um, but like clearly what they're like saying, well, like, like we have to sort of admit Netflix is this dominant. Oh, I know, right? I know. So what they're trying to do, and they've made it very clear in like how they're talking about their strategy is they're trying to hook another generation. Another generation, I right? know. Like these aren't just kids shows that, um, you know, these aren't just kids shows that they're planning on us watching out of like a kick for nostalgia, right? These are shows that they want to really aim at current kids right. who are their age watching this. So that they can hook them on that, right? Which it kind of brings us into this thing. It's like, well, okay, like I see the money, I see the pathway there, right? But like in terms of like a cultural thing, in terms of like just as you're saying, like an artistic thing, like why does this generation need carbon copied stuff from our generation? Right, right. Right? Like would Netflix maybe just be better? And here's the thing about Netflix is they are... This is what's starting to bother me about Netflix is that they have the capacity to take risks and yeah. they do, right? But it seems like those risky sort of decisions to produce new original content, they're getting less and less as time goes on. And Netflix is selling out. Yeah, Slowly, Netflix but surely is, they're which, selling which out. Which is silly yeah. because they don't have to, yeah. right? Like they're they're making lots of money. It's yeah. just like instead of like trying to produce something brand new, they're like, okay, well here's mm-hmm. you know, here's you know what a good example I think might be, and like maybe it's not a perfect example, but like a series of unfortunate events. So they did that, right? Yeah. I don't think that got great reviews, like their adaptation of it. Right. I haven't, like, because it, like, popped and then I hadn't heard anything about it after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, there's an example if I was, like, a Netflix sort of producer, I'd be like, okay, here's, like, a way we can create something right. that's brand new, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there was the, the, the terrible movie they did, like, a few years earlier, but, like, let's do, like, a kid's show based on a series of unfortunate events. I, I didn't grow up with a kid's show based on a series of unfortunate no. events, right? I grew up with the books. books yeah. But And then the movies. Yeah. With, so maybe yeah. like kids now could have grown up with like that show. It could have been like that fucking show, which would have been as powerful and as impactful as like 
the way me and you remember like Magic School Bus or Bill Nye the Science Guy. Right. Right. They have their own sort of show that was their generation. Right. Now I think I don't think that's what they were aiming to do. Obviously, with <coughs> a series of unfortunate events, I don't think they did. No, because that show is definitely not. Yeah. Directed towards kids. But if they, but this is just like no, an, just like spitballing an example of how mm-hmm. they could have maybe produced like an original idea. Yeah. Right. That's not even fully risky. Like it's a time tested and honored like yeah. franchise. Um, but they would produce sort of the television version for kids now. Yeah. Right. That could have been like their sort of nostalgic thing. So that like in 20 years, like it becomes profitable to maybe like do a nostalgic thing. But you know what I mean? Like it's a brand new sort of IP. It's like a brand new sort of entry. Whereas like, I think Netflix is trying to be like, okay, well we're going to reproduce all this old stuff for this generation of kids, which I don't know if that's a good thing. Like I think this generation needs their own sort of, they need their own, they need their own. Well, because I was going to ask you a question is like, if you were, let's say you're eight years old and you were watching Netflix and you turn on Bill Nye the Science Guy, would you want to be what? Like, Bill Nye, what? He's probably like 60 something, right? He looks young. He looks young. <laughs> he's, he's probably aged 60. Well. Like, he's yeah. probably 60. Would you want to watch a 60 year old man? Well, I mean, 60 year old men have traditionally dominated but would you, children's but television. For real, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. and would you, like, I, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I get where they were going with it and I get they were trying to create this, like, millennial like touch base and adding designer and yeah. shit like and adding Carly Kloss but I can't think about being like I don't know I obviously maybe because I don't have a child's mind anymore but it's like I can't think about sitting there and, and, and watching that and being entertained by it as you know a kid saying? or as, as like, a kid yeah as a kid like I don't like I think the thing about the appeal of Bill Nye before was even if you watch Bill Nye now, I'm sure we can critique it mm-hmm. and say, like, okay, like, that was ridiculous. Like, that's not funny. Like, <laughs> I'm sure we could do that. But, like, I, you have to watch it now because it's, like, it's hilarious how totally bad it is. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. It's If, if you're going to create this nostalgia feeling and if you're going to want to tap the new market, it's, like, you have to either do well in one or the other. Yeah. Right? But there's there's these shows that like okay series of unfortunate events yeah they want to tap our age group but they want to tap the old, the younger age group it's like okay well the younger age group doesn't really know what that is and there was a lot of inside jokes in that show that if you didn't know what a series of unfortunate events was you wouldn't understand it mm-hmm. and then for us it's like okay that's great but like why do we need this type of thing like we read the books we saw the movies why do we need this new TV show mm-hmm. that's like literally just the carbon copy of what we've already seen yeah right. And that's, that's the thing. There's a lot of that going on. Like, per, okay, perfect example. I didn't grow up in the 80s, but my favorite movie of all time is Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. okay? This is, this is hands down where you can see where, gen, like, where generations change and where people's mindset changes, okay? That new Ghostbusters movie that they made like a couple years ago was like horrible reviews. Yeah. Like people that, okay, people that grew up in the 80s and like Ghostbusters hated it. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, I mean, nothing against it, but like they changed an entire lead cast. They made it kind of less raunchy. Like the thing is, the thing about that was great about Ghostbusters is like it was good humor. It was a bunch of guys that were on SNL that have now transferred themselves to make a movie, right? Yeah. Like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, they all were people that were Second City people or SNL. Mm-hmm. And it's like then they decided to put in a bunch of new faces who made it more childish. Right? And made it more like a cartoon, similar to how the cartoon Ghostbusters was. Yeah. That cash in 
And I understand what they went with it. It was like, okay, this is like an 80s movie. Like, let's try and revamp this so that we can, like, people that lived in the 80s are still alive. I mean, I was born in the 90s, and I still like the Ghostbusters, so let's see if they like it, mm-hmm. right? They didn't care whether or not new generations liked it. They, they were totally going for the cash-in, and it did horrible, Yeah. right? Because that's what I'm saying. Like, it comes down to the point of, like, if you're going to do it, do it well. Like, it's no, there's no point of doing it if it's not going to be good. And it, to full circle it back to Nintendo, it's like, if you're going to do that, make it available, make, make it playable. Mm-hmm. Make it something that people are going to go out and buy and actually talk about it for years. Not something that's like, oh, we talk about it for a week, a bunch of YouTube videos come out, we cash in, and it's done. Yeah. Well, like, I don't like, great, great business in terms of economics, but horrible business model in the terms of, like, longevity of your name mm-hmm. right because now everybody that if i talk to somebody who's never watched the ghostbusters before the 80s versions and all they know is the new ghostbusters they're probably going to say that it's garbage mm-hmm. but it wasn't the two movies that were made in the 80s were not garbage <laughs> right that's the thing yeah and i mean even movies that create new adaptations and i think this is a different topic but i think even movies that cash in on this nostalgia of creating more i.e star wars that has had this long run of creating movies. What like what is next? Like how long are they going to keep up this like? Let's keep going and let's keep pushing this new generation of things, right? Yeah, I mean, and Star Wars is like a completely. There's like different strategies of doing this, right? Like in terms of business slash creative strategy, yeah. right? There's the Star Wars way where it's like okay, here's a franchise. We're gonna right. keep going, right? Right. Now I think that can work. I think you can bomb it. Like I think the, the one, two, and three, right? Like, like you know, what I mean, like the, the reverse of the one, prequels, two, three, yeah. right? Like I think generally it's kind of understood that those weren't that great, yeah, uh, in the Star Wars community and like just in general cinema as well. Like the the original three Star Wars films still hold up like a lot better than the prequels did that came out like a generation later, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're doing these new ones, which I think are are being seen as a little bit like definitely better than uh, those prequels were, um, but that's like that's like the franchise way of like kind of cashing out on nostalgia. That's just like keeping something going. You see it with like James Bond, right? <laughs> yeah. Like James Bond, you know, they, they get new actors. Yeah. They, you know, you see it in television. Another British example with like Doctor Who, right? Like they, they keep the franchise going, right? And I think there's some. I like that better because it's still new stuff, yeah, right? It's, yeah. it's just it's just keeping the story. That's what going. I'm saying. That's like that's a good example of yeah. the cashing on the nostalgia, but also having this kind of new outlook yeah. on it, right? Whereas opposed to just like, oh, we're just gonna create the same freaking same thing. thing again, and again, then yeah, right. And then you have like the the current Netflix strategy, which is I think um, if I can kind of summarize their business strategy to the best of my abilities, it's like. Let's produce these like risk averse shows because they theoretically have two audiences. They have the younger audience that the show's made for. They have the older audience that grew up with them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the other way of doing it. Like technically it's new, but it's like not really a new concept, right? Then there's uh, like just the the straight up like repackaging, which like video games do, right? Where it's like okay, here's like the old stuff right here's halo like, again which oh, i think uniquely, which i think uniquely <laughs> works for video games yeah. like uh, it wouldn't really work for television or film no. as well well it does but like, the thing about film is like film like movies like okay if we talk about film i think it doesn't work as well for television if we talk about film I guess like star it, I guess wars they remastered like there is three different versions of those original films yeah 
right? Like they yeah. they made them in the seventies and eighties. They remade them in the night, like redeveloped them in the nineties with new scenes, new like CGI included. Mm-hmm. Then did it again in the two thousands. Yeah, right. And so I think it's three different adaptations. I just feel like old films. I guess yeah, you remaster them, but like they hold up. They're a lot easier to access than like yeah. old video games, right? Yeah, well, yeah. With old video games, you need like the you technology, need the console, yeah. you need the console. Yeah. Even if you do remaster it, it's still not the same feeling, mm-hmm. right? It's still not the same like uh, kind of thing. So it's different in a, in, a, in a sense, right? Well, Call of Duty just did that last year. Yeah. They did the, what was the game that they released? World of War. They World of War. put it with the new yeah. garbage. And most people, <laughs> it was, it was horrible. The game that they released was horrible. Most people spent over a hundred, and this is this is the money grab, right? Most people spent over a hundred dollars just so they could play the remastered version of the other game and not the new game. <laughs> like that is ridiculous, uh, that's right? Funny. But that's that's I guess the mentality. That's mm-hmm. might as well. Like let's not put a lot of effort into something. And there we go. And I think like regardless, okay, like we we can we can debate like nostalgic business approaches in any way shape or form but i think like the general consensus would be that like if you're going to make money off nostalgia at least some of that has to go towards producing just completely new stuff right like there's shit like netflix has the capacity right now to create like this generation's magic school bus yeah not literally like not which they're doing Mm -hmm. like literally reproducing magic schools they have like the capacity in terms of like original funding to sort of like create a childhood show a brand new ip that becomes as cherished by kids these days as like some of those ips are cherished by us right right, right. so are they gonna do that like do you, i think regardless it's it's bad for the industry as you were saying like long term if like that idea is not there right if it yeah. just becomes like hey like let's just repackage let's just do you know what i mean like that that's when the business decision starts to impact i think mm-hmm. the issue, which you know boils down into a wider cultural issue of like we're just you know we are literally living off the ghosts of like and do people want that like that's the other question is like do people actually want that like what like like do they want this content the repackaged yeah like like it's hard to tell it's hard to tell too because netflix doesn't release ratings that's the thing. So we'll never know. <laughs> well, I mean, they have those star ratings, but they're so bullshit. Yeah. Like, it's hilarious. And, yeah, we could look at the star ratings. Um, really, like, we can only... We'll have to wait and see if Bill Nye... Like, if Netflix keeps it going. Uh, or, like, how... like That's really the only, like... I swear to God, if they keep that shit <laughs> It's really the only thing we have, though. Like, if they keep it going, I guess then it's successful. But, the, but is it, though? Because Netflix has a shit ton of money... That doesn't matter what the hell they do. But still, like, I don't think Netflix is just going to keep like if if Bill if no one's watching Bill Nye, like I don't think they're just going to keep pouring. I, well, I guess we'll see, right? <laughs> I mean, they've done it before. On Bill Nye's in Toronto shows. this week. Really? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, checking out the hot dogs. He's he's oh, a, okay, he's a yeah, film yeah, at the hot dogs yeah. film festival. He's going to be doing q and A. Q&A. I was going to get tickets for it, and then I was like. Uh, I'm going to go see something. Else. <laughs> <laughs> now um, it's probably a good thing that you're saying that. Yeah. Right? Um, Okay, so like this nostalgic thing, film, video games, it works, I guess. Like, uh, I, uh, it just comes that. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this again. Um, what about other industries, like outside of this kind of stuff? Like, do you do we see this sort other of repackaging? Like, do we see a reliance on old material and like things like theater? Like, I think to some degree we do. I think. I, I think okay, theater industry is like all nostalgia. Yeah. It just seeped in it. <laughs> that is that is theater. You wouldn't have theater if it wasn't nostalgia. Like you could walk down Broadway 
And I think the biggest thing about theater is that, like, the Phantom and Op- the Opera has been the longest-running show. Well, no, The Lion King now has been the longest-running show. And then Phantom of the Opera is second. It's great, but, like, that that's the, that is theater. Like, they... I don't think it's necessarily nostalgia. I think for them, it's just like, this is the business. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's new content. I think it's opposite in that type of industry. I think in the theater industry, new content tends to fail a lot. Yeah. As opposed to, and it, it depends on the in the areas that you're in. Like, if you're in New York, if you have a new show, good luck. Like, it, seriously, <laughs> good like, luck. good luck. Like, and some shows succeed. Like, a perfect example of a successful show is Jersey Boys. Yeah. Jersey Boys was a show that started off Broadway and then made it a huge deal, right? And made a huge portion of money, mm-hmm. right? That's a good example, but that's, like, one of 1,000. Yeah, I mean, right? there's other, like, like Hamilton was new, right? Like, ish? There is, but that, that's the thing. There, there is like that, but those turn into those because the production budget makes yeah. them successful, right? And that's what comes down. Like, okay, a perfect example, I saw the show, it was a garbage show, but, like, the Spider-Man thing that they did with, like, U2 did the music for it and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. The reason why the show did so successful was because people died <laughs> during the tech show. rehearsals. Oh, okay. So like three people died during tech rehearsals. So it made it this big when it released. Everybody was like, "Oh, we gotta see this!" Like, so it how became are people a dying? marketing. Oh yeah, like god. how are people dying in this show? Right. Oh my god. So it became this thing that people wanted to go and see it because That's they wanted so to see morbid. how intense it was. Yeah. yeah. But like that show probably wouldn't have done as well if that didn't happen. <laughs> like, which I just, is sad. I like it is sad. Like, it's like very dark humor, but like it's just like okay, so we need someone to kill themselves <laughs> so, so that, that we have uh, a show. so that our show is successful. Who's gonna sacrifice themselves? Okay, so my question to you then is, like, theater's, like, very dependent on nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that bad for theater? Like, I okay, so my, my as a outside theater person's take on this, or, like, opinion, or, like, idea, yeah, idea is the best word, would be, like, well, acting is, like, especially live acting, and live, I guess, dance as well, to some degree, um, you can, you, you can add new life into an old play and like you can do contemporary things without completely changing the play mm-hmm. that are worth sort of seeing in a different way than like mm. seeing the same movie again you know well, right like it's a little unfair on film but like you know like i'm trying to think of the best example like y- y- you there's a difference between like playing you know casablanca like two hundred times, well, and then doing Hamlet two hundred times. There's a different, yeah, yeah. There's a because Hamlet's viewer, got yeah. like different casts, and like almost yeah. when you go to the theater, yeah. it's not necessarily to see the play; it's to see the cast, the cast. right? And yeah. the cast always changes, yeah, right. It's always updating. Yeah. You can like throw in like you know different actors. You can play with the genders of characters. You can play with the ethnicities of players or characters. You can do a bunch of. You can do things with just the cast yeah. that keeps things fresh and i think a different way than like repackaging nostalgic things in video games and film does mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so like do you think my question to you then is like with that being so like is that a thing or is that, am i just dreaming that in it does nostalgia like negatively impact the artistic you know power of theater uh or is it okay is it a, just a different medium that can i think it there's there's a different answer for both the viewer and the person involved mm-hmm. I think most people in the theater world, dance is very, very different because it isn't very different. Like, there is people that stand by, like, 
if I were ever part of this dance, like it's very historical, it'd be like an honor. Mm-hmm. It's, but more in the acting, like if you get a role that has been like around since Shakespearean time, it's like an honor. Like people spend a lot of their careers trying to get those roles, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to play Hamlet. I want to play King Lear. Like they, they spend a lot of time in their career to make it to that level, right? And I think for them, that's why theater has always lived off of the nostalgia. Because for the for the actor, it's this lifelong goal. Like, it's the lifelong goal. You spend a lot of your time researching. You spend a lot of your time doing monologues from that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, a lot of people like doing new work, and they like being the shaper of the new role. But at the same time, I don't know many people that would say, like, I would turn down doing, like, being the Phantom. Yeah. Like, I don't know a lot of people that would, want it, that would say no to that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's such an historic role, mm-hmm. right? Like, it... it <laughs> It sounds ridiculous to compare the two, but it's it's similar to like if somebody came up to you and said, "Do you want to be the president?" <laughs> right? Because it's, it's the history, not even the role yeah, itself, yeah. just the history behind it is the like history. hell yeah, like like it, to go down as somebody, and then for the viewer, it turns into the, like you like you mentioned, you go and see the cast. Many times, if you read, if you read theater reviews or if you watch theater things on on YouTube and stuff like that, always people will compare. The one actor who played that role and the other actor that played that role. Mm-hmm. They'll always say, oh, that person like played it better or this person played it better. There'll always be that war, yeah. right? And that, for the viewer, that's entertaining because you go and each time you see a new adaptation of that. Mm-hmm. It's the same play. It's the same lines. It's the same songs. It's the same everything. It's just a different person. And each person has their own way of delivering that, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes it so entertaining. And I think that's why theater will always survive off of let's just do stuff that is, has always been being done. Right, and that's why theater like it really works to go on tour, and it really works to go to different locate like to pop pop up in different like theaters across the world, right? Because each cast, although being the same play or the mm-hmm. same musical or whatever, will always have a different thing, but you can you can enjoy it either either way. Yeah. Like I know people that have seen the same play like a hundred times, right? But they've seen it in different locations or they've seen it in different casts. They but it's enjoyable because you're you're viewing something completely different each time, right? So I think that's why they're able to get away with the kind of we will always have this. And I'm and the theater world is it's good for that. The only problem with it is it doesn't work in certain areas. Yeah. Here it sucks. In Toronto? Specifically? Toronto it sucks because a lot of the plays like because because they had Murder's company who runs theater in this in this city, like yeah, Soul Pepper's really, really great, but if you're looking for large production, looking for a shit ton of money, you're going to Mervish. That's yeah, one right. Of Mervish theaters, right. Yeah. So the problem with them is they're going to be buying American plays, and most times they're not. The Americans get the priority of the role, mm-hmm. right? So like, if I'm on the American cast and we're like, oh, we're going to Canada and we're doing a two month run, do you want to come? If they want to come, they can come. If not, they hire outside, right? They hire Toronto's, like Toronto people or Canadians. Our new content suffers because of that. Because majority of the general public will go and watch the Ed Mervis show. They won't go and watch Soul Pepper. The theater people will, like people that really enjoy watching theater, will go to Soul Pepper, right? And see fresh content, like see brand new stuff. But majority of people that just like, oh, I want to see a musical, they'll go and watch Kinky Boots or The Bodyguard or whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. at any theater, right? In different cities, in something like New York, which is like the, the I'd say the theater capital, other than London, for them it's the complete opposite. 
like even theater people, as much as off Broadway, I've seen a lot of off Broadway shows. It's balanced. Like you, people will sell out off Broadway shows and people will sell out large productions, right? And maybe it's to do with their population. I don't know, but they 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 weigh the two out. So, and I think in that industry, it doesn't suffer to to cash in on old old IPs. Mm-hmm. I think it it just benefits newer content in a way, right? Because then you see something new and it becomes like Hamilton, something brand new, and then it, that that play or that musical will live on, right? That will be forever now. So that that's what I mean. Like it, it only kind of serves as a as a tool, as a vessel to get new content into that that realm. So I suppose like my now I'm just kind of struggling with this. Like why? Yeah, because as I mentioned, sort of I had that understanding of theater so why like if you know they're announcing like a new run of like let's say in like 10 years they announce a new run of hamilton or whatever Mm -hmm. um why does that seem like good to me like that seems fine but then like in the film world they're like oh we're doing uh we're remaking i don't know what would they remake like uh, we're remaking something like we're gonna like I'm trying to think of. I keep thinking of franchise examples, but like we're gonna remake. What was it? We're gonna remake Inception, right? right like right. we're gonna remake Inception. Inception's one of my favorite movies. Um, I have an we're opinion. We're gonna do a remake of Inception. Yeah. Not in, not Inception two. No, just which would also piss me off. We're gonna do a remake <laughs> of Inception. That makes me mad. I, I do not want a remake of Inception. Do you know why? I would love to see you know a new run of Hamilton. I think I think the biggest thing between those two. Is one is live and one isn't? Yeah, is that it? Like, I think what, it is. what the fuck? Like, well, just because, as someone okay. outside a theater, what the fuck does that mean? Like, because, how is that? Because when you're watching a live production, there's always the sense of difference. Yeah. Right. From one night to another at a theater show, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. In a movie, even if they remade Inception with completely new cast, like there's no Leonardo, <laughs> there's no uh, Gordon Levitt, there's nothing. Yeah. It's the same script. It probably will be the same cinematography. Even if it's a different cinematographer, they're going to go for the same look, right? They're probably going to have Christopher Nolan direct it because they wouldn't remake something unless it was the same director. Even if it was a different director. No, it would have to be... No, no, no. So you have to think... Here's another example. Like, it would... it would. I think remakes in movies, to give them full credit, they would, like, be like what we see with uh, Great Gatsby, right? So Great so Gatsby has been fresh new look. yeah well, well it has to be right because like, mm-hmm. I think if they if they literally did like a copy paste remake that mm-hmm. would just no one wants to see but that. I think what, like, but people do want to see like okay let's it's the same kind of thing right it's like okay let's see this director's take on it yeah with this new tweak to cinematography sometimes they modernize them right mm-hmm. like sometimes they take like uh, a film that like the early aesthetic was like 80s and now it's like being shot in 2020 so yeah. like it's gonna be modern they're gonna be using like smartphones you know what I mean like so. Why does that feel like cringy it's... to me? But like, you know what I mean? Okay, if you're looking at that, there's there's a different answer. I think because if they're gonna change it, you're looking for the you're looking for the original. Whereas theater, you know going in that it's gonna be the same story. They're not yeah. gonna modernize Phantom of the Opera. It's gonna be the same thing. You go and watch a Shakespeare play, it's still gonna be in Shakespearean language. Like they're not gonna put in new words. They're not. They might. And if they did, it would they might suck. strike like things. Bomb. Yeah, they <laughs> might strike things from the script. They yeah. might change it up like that. But you pretty much know what's gonna happen from beginning to end if yeah. you've read the play, if you've seen the play. In film world, they kind of they have this gray area of if we do it exactly the same, people aren't gonna watch it. 
mm-hmm. because people are like, why the hell would I want to watch this? I could just watch this other one. The old one, which right? is easily accessible. Exactly. But if we revamp it, people are going to be wanting the old one, <laughs> right? So they have this kind of double-edged sword as to like, we're we are screwed either way. And Whereas theater, it's like, it's live. They could be completely different. Like you could see the same show every single night. I, guess, I guarantee you, you'll have a different experience every time, mm-hmm. right? Because you're going to be looking for something different. You're going to be experiencing it in a different way, right? Yeah. Okay, so then it's sort of a follow-up. Like, do we... Because there have been successful remakes in films, and mm-hmm. there's been like not successful remakes in films. Like, do we? I've always kind of had this idea in my head, but I I don't think I've ever like really fully thought about it. Is it like, obviously, from a business decision, mm-hmm. it makes the most sense to, I, at least on paper, be like, okay, let's remake this film that was really successful, right? Right. Economically, like that's okay. Let's less risky than it's producing easy. Yeah, content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like those films typically fail, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't, aren't typically well received. Um, I'm sure you could think of a counterexample to that, but like the other option is like, let's remake this film that was terrible, right? And is there a difference, right? Like if, if we're going back and we're like looking at a film that like was, and I think you could probably, I, I, unfortunately I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I think you can think of an example where the original film was just god awful, like it was just bad, no one watched it, maybe it was like, some shitty indie thing that some kid put together on his laptop. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, here's like this really bad old film. We're going to remake it, do it better, right? Is there a difference? Like, is that better than... I don't know, because I don't think it's ever really been done. You don't think it's been done? Like, I, I don't think, think a lot of people... Well, maybe it has been, but it... Then as a hypothetical, do you think that would be better? Like, like maybe? I'm trying to think of like an, a film I was really excited for that sucked. Can you think of a film you were really excited? There's a lot of films that sucked. But that you were, like, amped oh, for. Oh, amped for? Yeah. Can you think of one? I don't, not off the top of my head. Not off the top of my head at all. I'm trying to think. There's, like, a lot of films that sucked, but I don't know if I was amped for much of them. I'm trying to think of a <laughs> film that genuinely disappointed me. Like, okay, here's, here's... I'm thinking of a film that genuinely disappointed me. I was, like, just as a journalist, I was really excited for... When I was, like, at a DVD store, and I, I saw a copy of a film called The Bang Bang Club. Because the Bang Bang Club is a, a group of photojournalists who are based in South Africa. Uh, they got like some really famous. They were they basically a crew that ran in South Africa together taking photos. Okay. Um, might have been sparse throughout Africa. Uh, they. Do you remember the vulture shot? Yeah. So that was one of them that took that. And basically, as a journalistic story, I was like, wow, that's like I really want to see that on film. I think it would lend itself really well to a film picked up the dvd and it absolutely sucked like the film about the bang bang club was terrible like it was so bad so i'm thinking like would i be i kind of want to see a remake of someone doing it better right so is that are those remakes like artistically like are we like more okay with those types of things or i don't know i think if that is the case in the beginning like i think the other thing you gotta like put into perspective is like one there's no production company that if you're going to pitch the idea of a bombed film they're going to go for it yeah right and then even if you create it on yourself, it's not going to do as well. It's not going to get the hype because mm-hmm. there's no backing. And then three, it's like there's not going to be the appeal. Like there's not going to be the audience appeal either. Because mm-hmm. people are going to be like, well, the first one sucked. Yeah. Like some people will be amped about it, but like very rarely like, will people be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, a, per- a perfect example is, is Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> not going to lie. He had a film that he released a couple years ago. And then he re-released it in theaters this year. And when it went to London, there was like one ticket sold. 
What? One ticket. The film? That was it. One ticket sold. One ticket sold in what? all of London. What film was it? I can't remember the name of it. It's Was that like an art house cinema and he like got one he, ticket sold? Or like I have what? no idea. The film bombed <laughs> in the original. Like they, I think it was released in 2015, 2016. It bombed. What was it? It was like, no, it was like this weird, it was like this weird like PTSD like army film. Like, I don't know. It was bombed. I've never seen it, but it bombed originally. And then he re-released it this year because I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it pop up. Oh, like, man down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember seeing it and being like, oh, I want to see this. And then I heard that it sold one ticket in London. <laughs> one ticket. So you don't want to see a so man down So that's what I'm saying. It's like, come on. Yeah, you like, don't want to see Who the hell would want to see that? Okay. All right. <laughs> right? Even, even not a remake. Like, just re-releasing it, no one wants to see it. So yeah. why would we want to remake it, right? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Fair. So, like, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, they look at case studies like that and think, okay, well, <laughs> what are we going to do here? Like, well, this is not going to work, yeah. right? So, I, I think it, it, it's up and down. Like, there's a lot of things that could go on about, like, that I don't like. Like, for, like I said, I'm not, I'm not the type of person, like, I think nostalgia has its point, but I like watching the nostalgia. I don't like it remastered. I don't like it recreated. Like, I want, if I'm going to want to watch what I, what I want to watch or I want to play what I'm going to play, I'm going to do that, Yeah. right? Like don't don't change it. Even if you just change one from being SD to HD, don't bother. Don't do it. Right? You want to watch it in SD. In be what it is. Exactly. Play these games in eight bit. Yeah, like that's it. That's all I want. Two bit, two D. Like the other the other thing that I'm like sad about. Do you, did you ever watch Mystery Science Theater three thousand? Uh, no, but I. So they many have people have told me to. What do you feel about the remake? I hate the remake. You don't like the remake? I like I like the original show. I think the remake is fine. Like. I think the difference about it is like, the sh- it's a type of show that like can't be good or can't be bad yeah. because like, I think the whole point of the show is it's for it to be bad because if they're watching shit movies and just make a commentary about it. Yeah, I just think for me it's like it's that mentality of like you should have just left it for what it was. Mm-hmm. That you know like I get that they were like oh we want to cash in. And I mean it's the same guy um, directing it that directed it in in the nineties. They should have just left it at that. Mm-hmm. And that, that could have been it with it. They had three adaptations of it before with three different hosts. They didn't eat a fourth. They could have just kept it. Yeah. But I, it's, it's the same mentality of the Netflix of like, oh, yeah, we're just going to put money in whatever the hell we want at this point. <laughs> All right. Yeah. How are we doing on time? Uh, two minutes. We're two minutes below an hour? Yes. Okay. I was going to ask another question, but you know what? Let's we'll just ship into our recommends portion. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I'm going to recommend something I should have recommended last week, but decided not to. Um, this is a show that people have seen already, but like, I mean, why the hell not? Yeah. Um, I told you this before. I'm recommending the show Narcos because I just originally started watching it. I know I'm late to the game, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> it's a cool show. If you like, if you like real life, <laughs> it's good because it actually is based on real life. Um, but if you also like like crime dramas, it's that as well. Um, you don't really have to know much about the story of Pablo Escobar. You can totally learn about his life with watching the show. It's a little bit blown into proportion. Well, it's fictionalized, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's still true, semi true to the real the real history of yeah. what what went on. So I, that's my recommendation. It's old, but whatever. Um, I I'm glad you recommended. It. I actually I love. Have you are you all caught up on it? Not really. Oh, yeah. so the twist in the last episode. Oh, I, 
Okay, it's not really a traditional twist, but when you get to it, you'll be like, what the hell? Like, what the hell is going to go on now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I love Narcos. I started watching it last year. Yeah. I'm all caught up. Great show. It is a good show. Good show. Um, okay, so my recommends, I'm going to do, I'm probably going to do a lot of these as we go on, but I'm going to do my first video game. Wow. Recommends. Here we go. This is also an old game, so it didn't just come out. It's, I think it's been out for a while. Um, but I just played it last weekend, uh, and it's called Dying Light The Following. Have you ever Oh, yeah, I've played the game. Have you played it? Yeah, I've played okay, it. Okay, so I, I love this. I, I Love is a strong word. I, I appreciate this game for existing. Um, I'm First of all, like just generally, I'm a huge, huge zombie fan. Like zombie, If you could classify zombie as a subgenre, which I think you oh, can. Oh, God. I'm a fan. You're on that train, aren't you? I'm still, like, oh. uh, I'm still watching Walking Dead, even oh. though it's awful. Like, I, I love zombie <laughs> stuff. It makes me excited. Um, and it's like a fresh take on the zombie genre mm-hmm. because it's like they're mixing like this, this kind of interesting parkour gameplay into it. Yeah. Like it's not... Th- there's different ways to do zombie games. Like you could do like straight up survival. You could do like straight up horror. This is like a different kind of beast. Like this is... It's more of like... A, it's a running game. It's like a parkour game with zombies, which yeah. I think is kind of interesting. Um, and the game is fucking hard. Like, it yeah, is, is hard, yeah. so hard. I played it on normal. I was trying to just get through it, chug through it. Could not figure it out. I didn't get very far <laughs> into the game, and I, like, kind of had to put it down. It was one of the first games I had to put down in a while out of frustration because I just couldn't figure out what to do. And I was like, okay, I have to literally, like, I have to survive in this world, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. the level of difficulty in the game, like, makes me realize that, like, I need to pick and choose my battles. Like, I need to... You know, scounge around for resources before doing quests. I can't just rush through the main storyline. I have to like build up, which right. I think is like a lost art in games. Right? Yeah. Sometimes games are just. I think in general, games are way too easy, and it sort of starts to take away from the story. And I think the level of difficulty in this game makes uh, the story really shine. Right? Even yeah. though it's not that great of a story, yeah, uh, it makes it, it adds so much to the story. Like it, it makes it uh, so much better because of how difficult the game is. And that doesn't happen a lot. Like you see in that in games like Dark Souls, I guess, that are like just tremendously difficult, and that's like There's part no of the story. <laughs> and that's like part of the appeal. But in Dark Souls, there is no story. Yeah, yeah. Here's a game where like it's really yeah, fucking hard, yeah. and like it really adds like a huge dimension to the story yeah. that you can't do in any other medium. You can't do that in film. Yeah, you know, you can't make a film hard to. I guess you could make a film hard to watch, but that'd be <laughs> that'd probably be a bad film. You can make yeah. a game hard to play, and it adds to the story. Yeah. So I. Definitely recommend it if you like zombies as much as I do. I know <laughs> I'm a bit of a freak, but yeah. Okay, JC, how yeah. can people get in touch with you? As always, jcvon.com. That's it. That's all. It rhymes. Doesn't so need anything else. <laughs> Doesn't need anything else. Uh, and you can hit me up on Twitter, Dylan Freeman. Add an end to the end, so that's an extra end on the end. God, that's like a tongue twister. But I should probably change that. Yeah. Also, check out our producing company, oh, SCP yeah. Productions. We just rebranded yeah, this, literally uh, like a minute before this. <laughs> I feel like we always forget to give a shout-out to uh, our production company, SCP Productions. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we just we got, we got a fresh new look. We got so a fresh we, look. Yeah. Cool. Other than that, I think we are good to go. This has been The Society, Episode 5. Episode 5. Uh, we'll, see you, we'll see you next time. See ya.